tēnā koutou katoa, nau mai, haere mai. Mōrena, welcome to Q&A, I'm John Campbell. A special show today, we're going to take you all over the country after a very dramatic day in local government. Cat, meet pigeons. Thank you so much for being with us. We are delighted to have your company. Wow, what just happened there? Let's find out. We're going to go to Auckland, Rotorua, Wellington, Nelson, Christchurch, Dunedin, Invercargill, Māori wards, big picture, and into the voting detail. The centre-right one, big in Auckland, both with the mayoralty and the makeup of the council in Ototahi, Christchurch. A former Labour MP, Leanne Dalzell, of course, stood down. Her replacement, a centre-right councillor. A former Labour MP, Steve Chadwick, also stepped down in Rotorua to make way for a recent national candidate. And Dunedin, Green MP, uh, sorry, Green Mayor, Aaron Hawkins, lost. And Whanganui, Labour-backed incumbent, Hamish McDowell, lost. In fact, unless you live in Wellington, and Mayor Tori Fano will be joining us. It was a pretty rough old day for the centre-left. Absolutely fascinating time in New Zealand politics. What does this mean? Big picture. We are delighted to be joined now by One News political editor, Jessica Muchmagai, who is beaming in, beaming in from the last surviving local government remnant of uh, centre-left politics. Jessica Muchmagai, Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington. I want to talk about uh, Wellington in a sec, but Jess, it's lovely to have you with us. Let's start in Auckland. Tamaki Makoto, I'm looking at the numbers. Uh, Wayne Brown, 144,000. Afiso Collins, belatedly and slightly lukewarmedly endorsed by the Prime Minister, 89,000. What on earth? Well, I think we can summarise from all of that that it was a shift away from the Labour candidates when you look at all the metropolitan centres even here in Wellington. And I think in Auckland what it shows is a really resounding message to the government that they're not happy with the status quo. And as you say, it was a bit of a insipid endorsement from Jacinda mm. Ardern to Afiso Collins, but it was a pretty large majority that Wayne Brown ended up winning by. So I think that the centre the central government, I think Christopher Luxon and the National Party will definitely be feeling pretty pleased with those local election body results. I think that they have they can sense that real mood from people that they do want to move away from what's happening at the moment. The only thing that might be helping the Prime Minister and the Labour government sleep well at night is that there are instances where there have been a swing uh, in local government away from the left and or away from the right and then that's been the opposite in central government but mm. I think they all have to look at the tea leaves and see that the message is people aren't happy right now. Truly, we're going to talk to Katie Bradford later about who was voting, a fairly low voter turnout across the country. In Auckland, and we don't know this yet, so it's me reading the tea leaves, although we do a lot of this uh, at this stage of the electoral cycle, right? It felt like a patrician vote. It felt like a NIMBY vote. It felt like the property owners voting against intensification. What are the messages for the government about how those who turned out to vote are feeling about things like intensification, RMA reforms, three waters, etc.? I think the big takeaway is the three waters. I think that's the big issue and that's perhaps where we're seeing people motivated. I mean, across the board, I think councils have come out and said that they're not happy with it and I think that the, the government and the minister and Ayamahuta are going to have to take a really 
good hard look at it and 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 analyze it. I'm not a hundred percent convinced with the intensification whether whether people were going out and voting on that issue. I think I get the sense from people that it was more about unhappy with lockdowns, unhappy mm. with the way that things are playing out and the right voters being more motivated to get out yeah, and actually vote and cast their ballot. And so I do think those are the messages that central government will take away from this. Yeah, and if we see a similar low turnout on the left, uh, then it's going to be a disaster for Labour next year. Let's talk about where you are. And, and this is absolutely fascinating. Tori Farno, who's the new mayor of Wellington, is going to join us in about 20 minutes. But how did Paul Eagle go? I mean, he was the... He's the the MP. He was fourth. <laughs> fourth he was and fourth. a fairly distant fourth too, right? Absolutely. So I think, I mean, Wellington is always um, a slight anomaly. Um, we, are, we are unusual creatures here and we don't always go with the trend. I think what we can read into this is, yes, she, is, she comes from the, um, she's an independent candidate, but comes for, as a former Green Party chief of staff. Yeah. She's very... Tori Fano is very well, very well connected here in Wellington. But I think that Wellingtonians, again, didn't want the status quo. And mm. I think that that's what people will take away from that. They, she, is, um, she will be a dynamic and new mayor. And I think it, it's really interesting that Wellingtonians chose her. But I just think when you look across Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, uh, we moved away from the yeah. Labour-endorsed candidate, and I think that's interesting. It does put this really unusual position for Paul Eagle, who, of course, at the moment is still a Labour MP. Yeah. And he's basically said to the people of Rongatai that he represents, I, I don't want to do that job that much. I think I want to give hmm. being a mayor a go. Now he's got to go back to them and say, oh, Actually, I do really want to represent you after all, after I uh, came fourth in the mayoral race. So that, to me, just doesn't fly. I think that being a member of parliament is is a service the people who put up their hands to do it. It's a major privilege, and you can't be half in and half out. No. So I, I wouldn't imagine he'll, he'll be standing next election, and I'm not sure the Prime Minister will be thrilled with this outcome either, so we'll definitely be asking questions about that this week. OK, we look forward to the updates on that. Just before you go, Jess, and we so appreciate your time, Wayne Brown and his relationship with central government, right? So he's saying, Auckland doesn't want this, Auckland doesn't want that. How important is it the mayor of Auckland, where one in three New Zealanders live, has a relationship with central government, or can they not get along? They absolutely need to get along. And I think that the Prime Minister and Wayne Brown do have a relationship, don't forget. He was the chair with the Ports of Auckland, and so they worked together on that. Uh, they do come from different political spectrums, but I don't think that um, excludes them from having a relationship. I do think, though, that he's going to have to really work at creating a more conciliatory approach. He is now the Mayor of Auckland, and it's a service role. Uh, people want to hear from him, uh, the public want to hear from him, and to do things, he's going to have to get on with central government as well. So he's going to have to draw on those diplomatic skills because that's what happens yeah. when you're in that position. You have to be able to connect with people. Jess much, Mackay. Uh, talking of connecting with people, we're delighted you came in to connect with us. Thanks so much, Jess, our political editor. <laughs> we really appreciate Thanks, it this early on a Sunday. Have a great day. We'd love to tell you what Wayne Brown makes of Jess's analysis. Basically, she's saying 
uh, he has to be able to work with local government, uh, sorry, central government and reciprocity. They have to be able to work with him. Uh, but we can't tell you what he says because he's pulled out of doing any media this morning. He certainly won't be doing the interview with Q&A. We were previously told he would be doing it. And I have to say, speaking personally, I'm really disappointed about that. It would have been wonderful to hear from him. There have been developments overnight. Auckland Transport Board Chair Adrian Young Cooper resigned, saying the new mayor wants a clean runway and she's going voluntarily. One news reporter, Katie Bradford, managed to catch Wayne Brown at his victory party yesterday afternoon. And the big question she asked is how will he deal with his uh, fellow councillors and with central government? Yeah, I think it's a clear uh, message to me that Aucklanders want what I've offered, what I'm offering, and it should be a clear message to the Wellington to butt out and, and listen to what we want. Your job in Wellington is to fund what we want in Auckland, not to tell us what we need in Auckland. Not at all. I mean, I should imagine they'd be delighted to have someone with a clear understanding of things which can actually get done and actually get them done. Wayne Brown, somewhat at odds with uh, what Jess was suggesting about his need to achieve some form of consensus with Wellington. Uh, he was talking to Katie Bradford at his victory party yesterday and as I say, what a shame he wouldn't join us this morning. Now let's look south. Nelson has a new man. It's someone who's represented the city in another job for decades. Nick Smith. Morning. I thought we'd done with each other, you and I, but here we go again. Mordena, congratulations. How are you, Mayor Smith? Oh, thank you very much, John. Absolute privilege to be elected uh, as the Mayor of Nelson. This is a great little city. It's had tough times recently with mm. the floods and some other challenges, but really looking forward to throwing my energy into giving the city good leadership. I want, you're just standing on the stairs below the cathedral there, right, looking down Trafalgar Street. And I just, if you, if you turn around and look behind you, it's Sunday morning in Nelson, and normally, pre-COVID, that would have been a buzz, wouldn't it, with tourists from Germany, from Japan, from the United States, from Australia. It's been tough, tough times in that city. What do you have to do to lift it? Well, one of the keys is that both the visitor industry, which is important for Nelson both for domestic tourists as well as international, and the international students is both areas where the city has taken a real pounding. Mm. Uh, the economy here is very much about fishing, about forestry, about horticulture and tourism. Uh, tourism has been on its back like everywhere else and part of the council's job is going to be working both locally and with central government to ensure that that sector recovers. Uh, we've got a really big job with those 200 plus landslides that occurred in August. We've still got over 100 homeowners whose homes are awfully damaged. There's at least a couple of years work in the fix from that, tens of millions of dollars on infrastructure. And then you've got some of those really big long term strategic issues. I think it's actually a really exciting time to come into local government because regardless of who is in the beehive, I think there are the winds of change, uh, whether it be Three Waters or whether it be the changes to the Resource Management Act and the review of local government that's due soon, I think we are likely in this term of council across the country to see some of the biggest changes in local government 
and really looking forward to engage both with the current government and any future government about how that can work for a provincial city like Nelson. I, w I want to talk, I was here about two weeks ago, I had a beautiful visit, I love Nelson, and I was talking to a young man called Rohan O'Neill Stevens, who was elected to council last time when he was 19, he was re-elected yesterday. Now he is a glorious, aspirational, idealistic young man. Can you work with him? Can you work with this council? Oh, can, you, can you be absolutely. a consensus when I, when I met, <laughs> Well, when I met with Rohan, he reminded of myself, I actually first stood for local government uh, nearly 40 years ago when I was still in high school. Uh, and his idealism, his energy, he's a very diligent young man and delighted that he's been elected onto the council. It's a diverse council. I, I think that the, the sort of consensus bit is, is I am in the space that says actually it's really healthy that councils have debate, uh, but you need to avoid it from being disagreement into disagreeable. And there has been problems in the Nelson Council along those lines, and I am hoping to apply my experience so that it may not be consensus but I hope it is a fun council that can get on and do the job well for this lovely community. If we talk about getting on and doing the job well, what is the job that it's most important to do well? So we've talked about the flooding, and I know that you, are, you, you, you completely agree that we have to address climate change, although you've said previously you're not in the apocalypse camp. You said that in, in uh, I think, 2020 in your last speech as National yeah. MP. Uh, to, to your last uh, local speech as National MP. I, I wonder if you're more in the apocalypse camp now, but what, what do you have to do? What's most important in Nelson right now, Nick Smith? Well, this morning I'm meeting with the Chief Executive. Uh, there, he has uh, announced his retirement. Big change there. Uh, you've got obviously the issue of the floods. Uh, the other issue that I think is very clear in the national results and was just so clear in a very, Nelson's a very middle provincial political centre, there is real anger around the government on three waters. Unless the government has a death wish, uh, they do need to revisit that. Uh, I'm not interested in playing politics on it. I'm interested in getting a good outcome for Nelson. I know that will be the case for other mayors around the country. There's been a real failure of central government to properly engage with local government around that. And I'm hoping yesterday's result will be a, a bit of a circuit breaker with the government to genuinely engage with local government. There does need to be change in the way in which we manage water. But the very highbrow approach that's come with the bill that's before Parliament does need change and really wanting to work with other mayors and government because water matters so much for all New Zealanders. Nick Smith, uh, the new Mayor of Nelson, having been uh, an MP, what, since 1990, Nick? Up until 1990, eh, you were first elected? Bloody hell. Yes, it was. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Smith. It's been a wee while, we'll apply experience, and my love for Nelson hasn't changed one iota. Lovely to talk to you, John. Yeah, nice to talk to you, and congratulations. Stay with us, we'll be right back. There is a new Mayor in Ototahi, Christchurch, Phil Major. He is joining us after the break. Welcome back. Uh, this is Q&A's local election special. I'm, in for jo uh, I'm John Campbell in for Jack Tame. He's having a well-earned weekend off. The South Island's biggest city has a new mayor with Councillor Phil Major winning narrowly against former Canterbury DHB Chief Executive David Mates. Phil Major is with us in TVNZ's Christchurch studio. Morning, Mayor Major. Congratulations. How are you <laughs> feeling this morning? Uh, good morning, John. Yeah, no, uh, very, very humble and very, very happy, actually. Thank you. Why did you win, do you think? What was it people were voting for? 
Oh, they're just... I've been out, I jumped out of the blocks in uh, August last year and um, I think I've, I've just put it out there that it's a, a need for change and um, people have jumped on that bandwagon and I'm happy that they have. What, what change do you represent though? Pardon me? What change do you represent? Oh, the main, the main thing I want to do is change is people's people's trust in council was down at 42%. It used to be 70 If I can get out there and, and have have people have a, a good relationship with council and come in and not, not throw roadblocks at people and um, change it round so maybe it's 60 or it'd be nice to be 70 It used to be 70 So if I can turn it round, that's what I'm after. How does it feel to be mayor? I know you love that place. And you were sitting there this morning, and David Mates is a good man. I think he's actually beloved in that city. He was a great chief executive of the DHB, and you beat him. Mm -hmm. So tell me how you're feeling this morning. Um, uh, oh, <laughs> apprehensive, but it's a good challenge. With, with the old contracting business I used to have, every day you got up was a challenge. So this is a good challenge. And I must say, David and I played, we're very respectful of yeah, each other, were, and we played yeah, with a straight bat. So it yeah. was good. Okay, mm. I just was reading Phil Major for Mia, and there's a page on it which is a really good page called What I Stand For, and I want to go through some of those things. Deliver core services better, and post-earthquakes, post-everything that that city has been through, there'll be no one who disagrees with you on that, right? Keep rates affordable mm -hmm. and reduce debt. Keep rates affordable, and you're talking about in line with and hopefully less than inflation, and reduce debt at the same time. Finish our roads and footpaths. Can you do the lot? I mean, can you keep rates affordable and reduce debt and do the infrastructure work that city needs and build the big stadium you want? Is that possible? I absolutely certainly hope so. We, we have got um, a lot of debt from the uh, back in the earthquakes. Uh, we, we've inherited a lot. We, we, we're carrying a lot. So we, we've got to get on top of that. But we've got to work with our, um, our holdings companies to make them make more um, money for us so that we're not just spending what they give us, we take what they give us and, and reduce debt with it. So together we can make this work really well. I'm absolutely positive. But, but, but can you be fiscally prudent and spend the money required? Let's use the stadium as an example. Who's going to pay for that? Well, we're very lucky that um, the government, thanks very much, gave us $230 million plus plus the land. So we've got that, which is very good. And if we hadn't made a decision to build it, they would have quite rightly said, well, if you don't hurry up and make a decision, we'll take our money and go away, and by the way, we'll take the land with us. So we, we, didn't, we weren't forced into it, but it, it's, we did a, um, a survey of all our uh, constituents and, and, and residents, and they came overwhelmingly that they want it, and it's going to be great. I was talking to a guy, uh, I was wandering down the strip the other day, and I was talking to the guy who's cleaning the footpath outside his bar. I said, how's it going? He said, this convention centre is the best thing that's happened to Christchurch. I have never been so busy. So I wandered down to the convention centre. And that particular day, they had 1,500 clients went there with three different conventions. And so it's, that, that's happening. We've got Metro Sports happening. We've got the stadium happening. Everyone, every one of those will bring a bit of um, stuff I, I, to Christchurch. I, yeah, and, and, and we're I, on the cusp of And I've been to that convention centre, and it feels really good. And I agree about the business that's driving. But, and you're doing a very good job, you're already behaving like a politician even though you've only been mayor for a day. Who's going to pay? Who's going to pay for the shortfall between what central government is putting in and what the stadium is costing? We, we can go down the budget line by line. There's a lot of stuff that is not 
prioritise. There's, there's, there's a number of streets. There's, there's, a, there's a, a lot of things. We're, we're very good as a council of um, in collecting bits of land all over the place. We're like a squirrel who collects nuts in the winter. We, uh, we, we, we can sell stuff. Say, take the likes of old Orange Theory Stadium. That's worth $35 million for a starter. We can put 270 units on there, which is all within walking distance of a main road. People get on the bus. It, it's, it helps our intensification. It's, 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 it's good. No, it, we can do it. I've been spending a bit of time in Christchurch, and, and, and despite the fact I'm a Hurricanes man, I love that city. And one of the things you notice is after the earthquake, everyone had to move out of the CBD, right? And, and, and as they did so, they established new areas, Rickerton or whatever, you know, on the fringes. Are people returning to the CBD? Are people living in the CBD? Are shops getting value for money for the rent they're paying there? How do you drive uh, the rebirth of the heart of that city? We've got, um, we had about 8,000 people had moved in. I think we're up to about 10,000 now. Uh, our aim is to get 20,000 in. Before before um, COVID, the builders were having trouble um, selling these these new um, high-density units or medium-density units in town. That's changed around. There's now a queue for people to want to get into town. The more people are in town, the more it will hum, mm. and that's what we need. It'll be like a mini Melbourne. We've got our laneways. We've got our sports things all over the place. It, that's the way I'd like to see it. Phil Major, we wish you well. Uh, it's a great city and uh, it's had a tough decade and a bit. So congratulations on being Mayor of Ōtutahi Christchurch and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, John. Hmm, pleasure. A couple of results to update you on. We have been talking about change, but there's one city in which there wasn't change. I think this is the largest of the cities where there's been no change, Hamilton. Incumbent Paula Southgate has held on against a really strong challenge from Jeff Taylor. On results to date, Southgate is about 1,300 votes ahead of Jeff Taylor. He's running as an independent. Actually, they both are. As you can see, nobody else in Hamilton got close. That's a good two-horse race. And David Truavis in Topor, sorry about the absence of a Macron, our computer just wouldn't do it. Old school, grumpy old computer. Uh, ahead of Christine Rankin, you're right, it is the Christine Rankin, but uh, Mayor David is home there. I think if you want to contact Q&A, please quit it on my. Uh, these are our main platforms. Uh, Twitter, because we're bougie as, Facebook, which we use really reluctantly because we're miserable, and email, Q&A at tvnz.co.nz. Ehariakine, one of the big stories of the election and somewhat at odds with much of the rest of the country. Tori Fano, Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington. We're going to have the new Mayor of Wellington live coming up. Welcome back. We're delighted to have you with us. Uh, once again, we've had a local election year come and go with a pretty poor turnout. In fact, if you look at eligible voters here in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, voter turnout will finish somewhere between 30 and 40%, which means even with his big margin of votes cast and he romped home, Mayor-elect Wayne Brown was back by only about one in five eligible Aucklanders. Whoa, Katie Bradford is nodding at me. Katie, it's so good to have you with us. Good morning. Morena, thanks for coming in. What does this turnout tell us, Katie? Well, as you said, in Auckland, that's 10% of Aucklanders voted for Wayne Brown. Those numbers replicated across the country. But even late on Friday, I was looking at what voter turnout looked like across the country and, and down to local boards here in Auckland. You look at Autel 
Papata, Papatoe, we were looking at 17, 18, 19% of people voting. But then you go up to looking at Devonport and, and Walkworth and Waiheke and they were well over 40%. That is a huge disparity and says something quite decisive, I think, about our society and who is out there voting in these elections. I'm staggered by that. So we're talking more than twice as many people voting in Devonport as in Otara. Yes, yeah, easily, easily. W which would seem, and it's tempting to read the tea leaves at times like this, a catastrophe of the Labour Party because South Auckland has, and I remember those election nights when National were in front and then the South Auckland vote came in and whoa, and it was Labour's course, again. Yeah, yeah. So what's this telling us? Well, I mean, as soon as I saw that on Friday, I thought, well, this is bad news for Fiso Collins because though, though that is where he had centred his campaign, that is where he was trying to get people out from votes. You know, he was telling me months ago that that was their strategy, was telling people, you know, teaching them enrol to vote. You know, mm. let's start with enrolling to vote and getting you out to voting and then we'll talk about who you vote for. That didn't work. So that was a failed part of his campaign. And I think if you if you looked, and I haven't had time to do it yet, but if I went in and we looked across the country, I think we would see a similar a similar impact, a similar trend going on there with those numbers. And it's telling us that all the campaigns that tried to get people out and voting aren't mm. working. People are not engaging with local government. It's too hard to vote. It's too complicated to understand. You know, we, we heard stories, people, you know, people not getting their papers. The, the local government minister didn't get her papers. But we also heard yesterday, you know, there were huge numbers of people out trying to vote yesterday. And all during the week, in fact, trying to do special votes because they didn't get their papers or they've moved houses and they've just realised their election is happening and that is fine we shouldn't be little people because they you know only just realized this week that an election was happening people have a lot going on in their lives and so we need to make it easier somehow so postal voting what are we going to do well about? I think that's and like LGNZ said yesterday that they agree there needs to be some kind of inquiry into it local government NZ sorry they, they think there should be some kind of inquiry uh, a review of this there normally is a review of elections anyway but uh, you know you kind of want that to happen quickly you want you know you want to people be able to see what can we do is it a voting day do, do you need to go back to just an old-fashioned voting day is it online voting there's problems with those overseas though you know you don't want it to to distort the system in any way it's a hard one an inquiry by oh, god this country does inquiries <laughs> we love inquiries. we love an inquiry and then often nothing often nothing comes from them yes you have to say that a turnout below 20 percent in Ōtara yeah. is heartbreaking it's not good enough either is it i mean this is a dismal fail by someone maybe it's a dismal fail by a central government that's lost that electorate maybe it's a dismal fail by the candidates who didn't engage but it feels like a dismal failing of the system to a certain extent too so the point is we can't you know the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is broke, right? We, we have to we fix it. We need to fix it yeah. and, and how that is. And I think it's, you know, I am passionate about local government. Mm. And there are lots of people out there who are, but how do we show people why it matters? And it's a frustration as a journalist, you know, and you're the same about this. But, you know, how do you say to people, you're rubbish in recycling your public transport. Don't you love going to the libraries? Don't you love taking the kids to the local pools? You know, all of these things matter and these are the people who run those and make those decisions these are the people who should be responsible about whether you can get the bus or whether Auckland's trains are going to be shut down for nine months you know all of those things that people do actually really care about people are really angry that Auckland's trains are going to be shut down for nine months you need to vote for people on the you know on this and, 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 you, and you, need, you need to feel able to you need yes to and yeah, you need at, to be yeah. able to understand it and the booklet you get this tiny blurb do people want to read all the, you know, is yeah. that the only way of finding out about candidates? Absolutely. It's not, but, yeah. Absolutely.
Katie, I don't know whether you want me to ask this question, so just so just take the fifth if you don't want me to. But what will Jacinda Ardern be thinking this morning? Do we, oh, do we know? They will not. And I think her statement, as I said last night, was a very pointed statement on social media last night about the need to work together with these new councils. Uh, it was she mentioned very specifically we need to work together on housing, on transport, on public transport, and I quote the, our ageing water infrastructure. Now that is that is a sign they know those are the issues that are really hurting them at the moment. They have, that has showed up in this election result very, very clearly. Uh, the debate around Three Waters reform, and we know not to get me started on this, <laughs> is, 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 very, is a very, very difficult and a very divisive one. And the government has not managed it well. And, and it is, it, this is a big part of what has happened here. And it's also the housing intensification. Mm. It's also people being pro-anti-cycleways, all of these things, people being pro-anti-development. This is very, very clearly showed up across the country. Katie Bradford, we so appreciate you joining us this morning. Gosh, you're good. Really lovely to see Thank you, Katie. You. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, there were some candidates who managed to pull off big upsets against the general swing, and one of them is with us now, Tafanganui Atara, Wellington. Have you stopped smiling? Tori Fano, Atamaria, and Namihi, congratulations. Uh, this, we've got this lovely footage. I think I just don't know whether we're going to play it now. We've got this lovely footage of you walking in. Last night, I don't know if you can see yourself on the screen, but you look like a lottery winner. And in the context of what took place in the rest of the country, what happened where you are with you is quite extraordinary. Mia Tori Fano, how are you feeling this morning? Uh, I feel it's a, it's a surreal experience, <laughs> um, but I'm over the moon. I'm honoured. I, I just And I love Wellington so much for putting their trust in me uh, to take them through this next few years, I'm. There's really no way to explain this. I'm just, I'm just completely over the moon. I've got, I've got the numbers. I mean, you, you know, Paul Eagle came fourth, and and yeah. I and I and I know you are about aspiration, about being positive, about looking forward, and what you can do. But, but what does this tell us about received politics? What does this tell us about the status quo? What does this tell us about order when your disorder got more than more votes than Andy Foster and Ray Chung combined. I mean you got more votes than two and yeah. three combined. Yes. I, I think that what this means is um, you know with huge respect to Paul, with huge respect to Andy, they've, they've actually, Andy did a phenomenal job. He did. He really did. Um, but what, what people want is that, like, that they're ready for change. They're ready for that new type of leadership. And um, they're, they're ready for kind of like a disruptor, a game changer. And it, it makes me really excited. And, that, and that's why I'm so stoked. And I'm, I'm really, I'm proud of Wellington for voting that in. I was looking at you last night, your speech, and, and, and people were euphoric. And you talked about a climate resilient city, and, and, and given how much of Wellington is on the coast, right, then this is really important, uh, that looks after its yes. most vulnerable. We can look to the future, a future where our tamariki can think about owning a home, better solutions for our whānau sleeping rough in our streets, more homes, climate resilience. I mean, everyone watching will be nodding and thinking, go mere whānau. But hell, that is a yeah. lot for a local government to achieve, isn't it? Can it is. you do that stuff? It is. I... Uh, Absolutely, you know, and um, I know it was sort of used against me that I came from the Green Party, but people were like, oh, we don't want another Green Mayor, but actually, now is the time 
for a green mayor because we're in a climate crisis and I Wellington obviously agreed with that you know I can I I'm very close with the Minister of Climate Change so that that will ensure that our council is actually using the best solutions possible to build a climate resilient city and a lot of that's going to be do, uh, done through public transport and housing high density housing uh, and I'm just I'm excited. We've been given a mandate um, to to be able to do this. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I can tell. I'm looking at your council too, and there's some newbies there. Uh, so there's some green yeah. councillors. Tell me about. So you've got support on the council. Have you I got do. the numbers to do the kind of meaningful, transformative work you want to do? Yeah. So, so I'm going to treat every councillor exactly the same. You know, the, the Green Councillors, they're not my mates, actually. Mm. I'm, I'm their leader, so I'm going to be treating everyone with respect. I want to know, every councillor, you, you, you have a mandate too, you have constituents. What is it that you want? How does that feed into the vision for Wellington? It's actually going to be fine. So, um, yes, I'm one vote, but I feel like I can really influence this council and our staff to create a better city. Because at the end of the day, every councillor there wants a better city. That's why they're running. We're going to talk to Tanya Tapsell and we've seen emergency housing in Rotorua such an issue. But I know that you, and you talked about it, I think you talked about it repeatedly last night, you know, rough sleeping whanau, homelessness. These are mm. big picture problems that require an effort of will and action from central government. What role can yes. local government play in addressing those gigantic issues? Well, it's very much prioritising um, and building as much social housing as possible, but it's also ensuring that our whānau have access to support services. And, and for me, that means mental health support and alcohol harm reduction. So council can prioritise that themselves, but part of my role will be lobbying the government. It's just kind of like, hey, we're going to need your support. We need more funding, especially with mental health. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Nā Tori Fano, Mayor of Wellington. Wellington really pretty much at odds with the rest of the country. Uh, kia ora rawa atu. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. Now, mihi, congratulations. We really are uh, delighted to have had you uh, on the programme. Thank kia you. Ora. Go well there in my hometown. Thank you. Uh, a few more results from around the Wellington region. We'll rip through these very fast because they're all incumbents being returned. Uh, Hutt City voted back Campbell Barry for second term. Anita Baker won again in Poitiroa. Very popular mayor there, but not as popular yet as Upper Hutt's Wayne Guppy, who is unstoppable. He's now been elected for an eighth consecutive term. A couple more. And Sir Tim Shadbolt's mark will be under threat. Speaking of Sir Tim, we'll be in Invercargill later. Looking north, there's a few provincial cities. Andrew Trite, this is fascinating. The new mayor of Whanganui beating the incumbent, Hamish McDowell. Don't forget, Hamish McDowell is another one of those Labour-backed candidates. And then in New Plymouth, Neil Holdham has held on actually fairly comfortably. Denny Moyahu was trying to be the first ever Māori mayor of New Plymouth, but Neil Holdham uh, safely home. Stick with us. Q&A will be right back. Amongst the people still to come, a new mayor in Dunedin, a new mayor in Rotorua, a new mayor in Invercargill. We are delighted to have your company. Welcome back to Q&A. We're delighted to have your company. A few results from around the wider up just over the hill from Tori Fano there in Wellington. A master and a big win for Gary Cavill, who has uh, well over 4,000 votes romping home. That Joe Hayes, former National Party MP, coming in in third place. In the south wider up uh, an incumbent has been knocked off. Alex Byron has lost to Martin Connolly. 
Now, Martin's a public policy expert who lives in Greytown, and in case you hadn't heard the name before, Connolly is also president of the local Bridge Club. So we've gone from Masterton to South Wairarapa, but between them, I think third stop on the train line is Carterton, and it's back to his old job for our next guest after an eight-year break, including a stint in Parliament. Ron Mark. Ron Mark. More morena. Ron, how are hey, you? John. Congratulations. I'm good. Thanks, Frank. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, actually, Carterton's fascinating because we mentioned Masterton to your north. We mentioned South Wairarapa to your uh, south. Carterton yeah. is in between them. How many ratepayers have you got? Do you know? Oh, about 5,000-odd. You know, total population, we've cracked the 10,000 mark. We've got a big piece of dirt. A yeah, big piece That's of dirt sure. with 5,000 yeah. ratepayers to pay for the work you need to do. Yeah. And I know one of the discussions yeah. that's taking place in the Wairarapa broadly is amalgamation. Is there a case yeah. for that? Well, I think the more the government attacks us and strips away our powers and overloads us with extra regulatory responsibility, it just swamps small councils like it, this. It, is it doing that? Is it doing that? And I know you're talking about yeah. three waters, but actually, yeah. isn't the fact that you only have 5,000 ratepayers a compelling case for three waters? You haven't well, got yeah, the we're, money we're... to do the infrastructure work. You've had boil notices on your water, for goodness sake. I mean, isn't three waters yeah. a good thing for you? That's a bit of a... That's a bit of... Of a hypo there, uh, John. Now yeah, you can come down. <laughs> look, actually, when you look at local government across the board, 150 years we've had what one major water contamination problem that resulted in deaths. Four people died, unfortunately. You know, a population area in Hawke's Bay of 85,000, only about uh, 5,000 people were actually affected. And we've hyped this up to a level and forgetting the fact that in 150 years we have not had the problem. Yes, we've got some infrastructural problems going forward, but if government would change the act and allow us to manage finances differently and gather revenue differently, an argument that local government's been putting forward for 20 years at least, then we might be able to change what is a, an outdated model and do but better. Isn't, isn't, isn't climate change, we were talking with Nick Smith before, and that, you know, they're having a hell of a problem getting out water out of Nelson now. Uh, Dunedin South, and we're going to go to Dunedin and, and talk to their new mayor shortly. Isn't it not only about what we drink, it's about how we're going to get rid of more and more and more water as the climate becomes more extreme? Is yeah, it that I, you I are ideologically it. opposed to three waters? Is it that no, you're stubborn? Is it that you think you can do it better? That was a terrible way of painting up, John. Quite negative, actually. <laughs> you know, you, just, you should calm down and have a look at it. You know, we I was the mayor who bought the land that enabled our wastewater treatment plant to go ahead in the way that it has. And it's, you know, it was on track to be an award-winning um, project. But unfortunately, the last three years, the current, uh, the, the past administration blew that project over budget, over time, and it's been, well, I've got to get it back under control. That's one of the reasons I've been re-elected, I think, is to tidy up and clean up what's been... Uh, not an unsatisfactory performance. But if we look at three waters, I mean, I see an ideological drive to centralise everything and put everything under the control of the government and bodies that small districts like Carterton will have no ability to talk to at all. We will just become, as you quite rightly say, 5,000-odd mm. ratepayers just disappear in the ether and a big collective. And and it's not just there, John, this collectivization. And, you know, I dare to say it, it's a very socialist view of life, which is not shared over here, quite frankly. Uh, we're moving to a centralised model around the environmental planning policy from regional council, which will create another body. And they're going to take away our uh, consenting capability, and which, you know, we were leading the country being able to get consent through in four days in my time as a mayor, as opposed to Christchurch, which is disastrous. And the, and the solution is to kill us. Mm. You know, I don't get it. 
So you can you can expect some strong pushback from uh, provincial <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen it already, Ron Mark. We would expect <laughs> yeah. no less from you, Ron Mark. Congratulations. <laughs> I know you're stoked Thanks, to be re-elected and you love that place. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and I good luck in the, in the years ahead. That's Ron Mark Newmere, elect of Carterton. Returning to the job, we should say, he's been an MP in between uh, shifts. Moving on, when Rotorua's three-term mayor, Steve Chadwick, announced her retirement, of course, Steve Chadwick, a former Labour MP, it quickly shaped up as one of the most interesting contests in the country. Councillors, a former MP, even a former Winter Olympian, threw their hats in the ring. But in the end, and the numbers are quite striking, it was a clear victory for the candidate who was once the youngest councillor ever elected in New Zealand at just 30 years of age. Tanya Taps was now Rotorua's mayor-elect. Morena Namihi, congratulations. How are you? <laughs> I was watching you uh, on Insta. <laughs> Uh, when you announced that you'd become mayor and you look so happy and so proud. <laughs> yeah, look, thank you so much. Good morning and good morning, Rotorua. Thank you for electing me to be your new mayor. Let's talk about some of the things you campaigned on. And, and, and we saw it uh, in that extraordinary Sunday story, emergency housing there in Rotorua. You want, you want something done about it. How do you do something about it whilst also taking care of the people who are in it? And boy, this is a big thing for local government to address, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And for councils, our role is to make sure that our buildings are not only fit for purpose, but being used for what they're consented to be. So emergency housing is actually a really big issue because these are motels that are consented to be short-term tourism accommodation up to 28 days. They're being used as residential dwellings and for many, sometimes longer than two years currently. So, you know, when the government gives landlords healthy home standards, but allows some of our most vulnerable people to be in buildings that are not only fit for purpose but sometimes actually unsafe. We know that we've got some fire hazards here in our Rotorua motels. The big question has to be asked, what can be the long-term solution? And that is building more homes and building more social housing. And so you and your council will play a role in that? Well, what we can do is we can unlock land. That's a really important mm. um, aspect of council. But actually, it's not only land use, it's increasing the density. So for places in here like Rotorua that don't have many apartment buildings, how can we help to provide not only affordable homes, but more options, so those one to two bedroom units? So um, whether it's density, plan changes, or making sure that those motels are being used for their purpose, there's a lot of things that council can do. But one of the biggest things that a mayor can do, and we've seen it in people places like Queenstown is if they are strong advocates for their community they can be a very strong voice to government to make sure that locally we're having solutions that do fit us because I think that that has been quite an issue especially here in Rotorua we have only 1.5 percent of the population of New Zealand yet mm. somehow we ended up with 10 percent of all emergency housing it has become the biggest issue here in Rotorua and it doesn't accurately reflect that we are a great place to live and we're still a great place to visit. You've talked about stop the spend as a phrase you've used a bit and belt tightening, but there is also an infrastructure shortfall in Rotorua. And I guess it's the same question I'm asking Phil Major, who's also said, look, we need to tighten our belts. Can you do what you need to do, what Rotorua desperately needs, at the same time you tighten your belt? Sorry, I think I missed part of that question, but were you talking about tightening the belt in terms of spending? Yeah, tightening the belt in terms of spending, as well as doing the infrastructure work that needs to be done. Can you do both at the same time? 
Yes, yes you can and that's called reprioritising. Like many families and businesses across the country are doing, we actually need to look at are those projects that we budgeted for still adequate because for us we set 10 year plans in terms of our spending. Now a lot of these plans were done at a time that were pre the pandemic and also pre construction costs. It's 20% more expensive to just build things right now. So we actually need to look at what can we afford because what we want to do and what we can actually afford is actually quite a different picture. Uh, Tanya Tepsel, uh, good, good luck. It's a beautiful, special place. I mean, that view, that view behind you is just so remarkable. And so uh, a, a win in Rotorua is a win for all of us. And most importantly, it's a win for the people there, including, as you said, a group of people who are really struggling. So I hope you go really well. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. <laughs> Nama Nakitanga, uh, really best wishes. Namihi, congratulations. And thank you so much for your time. Kia ora rawa atu. Kia ora. The new mayor of Rotorua, Tanya Tapsell. After the break, we're going to go south. Uh, in fact, we're going to both Dunedin and Invercargill. Absolutely fascinating contests there. Thanks for being with us on Q&A. Stay with us. So nice to have you with us on Q&A. Let's go to Dunedin. It's experiment uh, with the Green Party. M um, Mayor is over. Aaron Hawkins losing the role after just one turn. Didn't put his name in the hat for council either. Dunedin Mayor-elect Jules Radich is here with us live. Congratulations, Mayor Radich. How are you feeling this morning? Really good, thanks, John. Very good. Why did people vote That's for you? That's rather elated, but yeah, very I'm not calm. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not surprised you're elated. What, what is it you think people were voting for in Dunedin? Well, largely for change. You know, the people of Dunedin feel that they haven't been listened to over the last three years. And so they were very keen to have a change. And, and, and a change to what? What is it that people are hoping for from this change? Well, I believe they want active participation in our democracy. So they want their voice to be heard and taken heed of. And, and how, does that do that. how does that happen at a local government level? Well, uh, I, suppose, I suppose our campaign with Team Dunedin has been instructive in that regard. So we formed up about a year ago and then we spent the last four months going out to market days and other venues where there were lots of people and talking to them, hearing their opinions about things and discussing our thoughts and ideas with them, which, for, which firmed up our policies and agenda. I want to talk about uh, some of the water issues there in South Dunedin, just getting that water out of South Dunedin when it rains heavily. There is an infrastructure deficit yes. in Dunedin that's going to cost a lot of money. Can you do it? Do you have the money to do it? Yes, I believe so. And uh, you know that is a, a high priority for me. I live in South Dunedin, so I'm very concerned about the threat of inundation from stormwater. And I think we need to do more and uh, do it more rapidly in order to protect the residents from that threat, but also to give them confidence uh, in their real estate in their houses and where they live, but mm. also the businesses that mm. are thinking or would like to develop in the area, to give them confidence that the area is going to be safe. Is three and waters I take the answer? The example of Holland, which is 60% under. Is, is three waters the answer, I do you the, think? Uh, yes, three waters. I don't think so. I don't think so because people do not want to lose control or um, ownership of their assets. And that's a really significant issue. I mean, there's two big issues with three waters, but ownership of the assets is critically important to people. 
and I don't think there's any need to transfer ownership away. Uh, administration can move to a larger organisation to achieve economies of scale, uh, whilst the local communities still retain ownership of the assets beneath their feet. It's interesting this, isn't it? Because, boy, uh, Three Waters hasn't had a great warning on Q&A. I mean, we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't stumbled upon many fans of it. But, but I, would say that, I would say that successive local governments, successive councils haven't done a great job of managing the water infrastructure in Dunedin. In fact, if people will forgive me using this term on, 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 a, on a Sunday morning, although it may be apt considering wastewater is part of it, they've done a piss poor job. Isn't there an opportunity for you to get something from government here to fix the broken? Uh, well, it won't come from government. The ratepayers are still going to pay for all of that extra development, one way or another, just by transferring three waters to a different entity, the price will go up, no matter who's running it. So I don't see that that uh, is the answer. And I, I really I'm really concerned that a, the more centralised authority becomes over three waters, the less responsive they will be to the needs of Dunedin in a crisis. And we have had uh, crisis, and in fact, we've had two crises yeah. in the last three years. Yeah. So I'm very concerned about that. Well, it's a beautiful city. So, and, and, I, and I take issue with what you're saying about doing a piss poor job. <laughs> I think our fresh water is in really good shape. We're double A. So our water supply has been well looked after and brought up. So sure, there's some little patchy bits in the outskirts, but our main water supply is in really good shape. We, ca we have a wonderful catchment that we have full control of. So we're good there. And our wastewater treatment plant is up to a high standard mm. and so we have made significant gains there over the recent time but it's our stormwater yeah. that needs to be taken care of next and then we'll start the cycle all again so we are on track to be constantly upgrading our three waters infrastructure and I think our, the plan that we have within council is perfectly sufficient. Tuls Radic we uh, really wish you well over the next three years it's a beautiful city and uh, thank you so much for joining thank us. And you, congratulations on being Dunedin Mayor-elect. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, we're going to go... Thank you very what, much, John. What, if we were driving what, to Invercargill, what would it be, two and a half, three hours from, uh, from Jules there, uh, staying in the lower south? Oh, actually, let's just bring this up because this is absolutely fascinating. The Cadogan family just smashing it out of the park. In Clutha District, Brian Cadogan has won his fifth consecutive uh, term as mayor, winning against a split field in a first-past-the-post contest. So that's Brian. And then over in Central, his brother Tim Cadogan didn't even have to run. He was elected unopposed. So congratulations to the Cadogan family. Bit of a local government dynasty. We've got time for just one more. And I tell you what, this mayor has a very tough act to follow. Sim, Sir Tim Shabolt served as mayor of Invercargill for a grand total of 26 years, but 2022 a bridge too far. Sir Tim losing uh, the mayoralty, not voted in his council. So Sir Tim's time on local government is over. His replacement, former Deputy Mayor Nobby Clark, is with us now. Nobby, congratulations. Mayor Clark, congratulations. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, hello, John. Yeah, oh, look, I'm ecstatic. Absolutely ecstatic about this. You, 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 it was a hard one to pick because no one could quite guess the market, the Marcus Lush factor there, right? Correct. Yeah, another another celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why did you win? What do you think people were voting for? Um, they were voting for several things. I think um, we've got a long-term focus on many things at the moment, and that's driven by climate change in particular, and three waters and housing issues. But some of the day-to-day -day stuff just doesn't get done. And so uh, people are a bit lost in that. Um, and they're also lost in the issue of centralisation. 
Um, people want localization, so they don't want their three water assets going going west. Um, so people were uh, wanting to claw back some local control. And so I heard Ron Mark before, and I thought he was really interesting, ex-armed uh, forces like myself. And um, he, he had it right on the button. He said that um, the government is in part of a centralization mode. So um, three waters, um, co-governance, um, health reform. The government does this. If you go back 50 years, it's like a, it's like a tie. They ebb it back to Wellington. And I won't be around when it comes back to Invercargill, and nor will you, but um, it will eventually ebb back the other way as well. Uh, how the hell do we do this? And, and I'm really interested in one of the things. I was watching an interview you did on Stuff, and yep. you talked about $115 million in the budget for the next 10 years. You're going to take, did you say you're going to take $50 million of that out, Mayor Clark? Yep, five, five zero. Yep. Five zero. Where the hell are you going to take it out from? And how do you oh, do the work it. you need to do if you're taking that much money out? I can tell you very easily. We've got an inner city upgrade at the moment, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, and part of that is to do some streetscape work. We've got another 14 million sitting in there that we don't need to spend. Um, our admin building at the moment is earmarked for 26 million for an upgrade. Why would you update an old building when you don't know what the future of local government is? I'm picking like like you put the question to Ron Mark that there'll be amalgamation of some councils. And in the cargo, I could see the three councils here being amalgamated. So until you know that future, which is probably two or three years ago, why would you invest in an old building? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And the other issue is the long-standing sore in our community is the fact that our museum's been closed for nearly five years. Yeah, yeah, and I know and you're so absolutely determined to get that up and going, right? Yep. So I can I can cancel the storage facility that they're going to do before they get the new museum going, and there's another ten. So there's roughly fifty million dollars that we don't need to spend. Mayor Nobby Clark, uh, we wish you well in Invercargill. Yep. Uh, thank, thank you, you and congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate your time. Kia ora rawa atu. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much, dear uh, viewers. Kua mutu. That is Q&A for our special episode all about the local elections. Now, there will be more developments over the day, so make sure you keep an eye on onenews.co.nz. But from the excellent Q&A team, it's been really fun being part of it this week. Thanks for watching. Nga mihi ki a koto inna kareri. Oh, and by the way, Jack uh, will be back with you next Sunday. And Jack wouldn't have forgotten that throw. He would have remembered that. So that's why it's going to be great to have him back. Have a wonderful day. Q&A is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air.